Welcome once again to the podcast, Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind. Today, I have a very interesting guest for you. Her name is Sheila Sims. We recently met and we realized that we're both passionate about working with families. And while I focus more on working with individuals and couples, Sheila focuses on working with children and parents. We both work with exploring belief systems and what view of the world or as Sheila calls it, what theory of the world someone has adopted. So welcome, Sheila. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Well, let me first of all share your bio a little bit with our listeners. So Sheila is a certified teacher with 18 years of experience. And after years of endlessly seeking better strategies to help her students, she noticed that most of these popular methods for managing behavior and improving learning were not leading to long-term success and positive action inspired from within. And over the last decade, uh, Sheila has explored the underlying factors that drive human behavior and learning that often go unnoticed. She developed a simple process to uncovering a child's theory of the world. And I'm really excited to hear more about that in a moment. <laughs> and this theory of the world, that process to uncover that, provides deep insight into what it is at the root of a challenge or challenges a child is experiencing. And from there, she then guides parents and educators and childcare workers on how to use this deep understanding to address challenges from the inside out another interesting term I'd like to hear more about, and help kids shape a healthy theory of a world that will support their long-term well-being and highest potential. Wow, thank you for that introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so would you like to share a little bit about what you do? Sure. So as you mentioned, my background is in teaching. I've been a teacher for 18 years, and I still teach uh, part-time. Um, but a couple of years ago, I uh, started my own organization called All of Me Counts. And this was based on uh, a bit of a frustration, actually, with um, some of the things that really weren't working uh, in my job as a teacher. And what I started to notice was that a lot of these strategies that we use to what I call manage behavior... Um, actually rarely lead to that coming from within them over the long term. Uh, so we're doing a lot of just trying to survive through the day, um, manage, fix things on the surface, but most of those things actually don't lead to resolving what's at the root. And often when we don't understand what's at the root, we're actually... Um, reaffirming uh, the beliefs that are underlying and actually making the behavior worse over time. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to realize this, and, and this came a lot from my own personal journey of understanding that within myself and understanding um, a lot of the limiting beliefs that I had that I uncovered, I began to question the way that we um, parent, the way that we educate, um, and the very well-accepted strategies that we use. Um, so it became more and more challenging for me to be in the school system um, where these ideas uh, are sort of perpetuated. So I started my own organization called All of Me Counts, and I use what I call an inside-out approach. 
Wonderful. Yeah, that's an intriguing term. So what do you exactly mean when you talk about this inside-out approach? So I would say for generations, um, we have been parenting and educating kids from the outside in. So what this means is we've been externally focused. We see a behavior and we try to control the child's external environment, um, rewards, consequences, rules. And I'm not suggesting that we stop doing this altogether, mm -hmm. but we have become over-reliant on those things. And by doing that, we're actually disconnecting the child from within over time. And we wonder why sometimes um, we lose motivation as we get older. We lose that passion, that joy, that inspiration. Um, and that's because we've become so reliant on these external strategies that um, we actually disconnect kids from that natural, um, those, that natural positive action, that natural motivation, mm -hmm. um, even uh, the potential, the learning potential. If you think about, about the way that a child learns to walk and talk, um, we allow that to happen naturally and to unfold naturally. We don't overly control the external. Um, so it's basically um, based on the pre premise that whatever is going on on the outside is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. So mm -hmm. if we can address what's underlying, the underlying subconscious beliefs, the underlying emotions, uh, which are not always that obvious on the surface, as you know, with yes. what you do, <laughs> um, we can resolve what's at the root, which will lead to long-term success. Beautiful. So yeah. what shows yeah. up in the outside is basically the mirror of what's exactly. going on on the inside right. and the worldview. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. So what inspired you to move away from that traditional teaching um, methods, these traditional teaching methods and behavior management right. strategies? So probably over the last decade or so, I've been exploring some alternative methods, um, primarily through my own trying to, to unravel um, a lot of, I had a lot of anxiety, mm. uh, a lot of limiting beliefs. And um, so I was doing a lot of reading around um, the power of the subconscious mind, energy healing. I did Reiki. I did um, Reiki certification. I explored NLP, mm -hmm. hypnosis. I mean, I went through a phase where I was just sort of taking so everything all up. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and through that process of doing that for myself and, and seeing how, how powerful that was and how much of a change I made over a short period of time, um, that really inspired me to take a close look at what we do with kids and how this all gets created to begin with and how could we do things differently so that we can actually prevent kids from having to go through that whole unraveling process that, that I had to go through. <laughs> right, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. No, that's true. And I, we might not be able to prevent it completely, but oh, exactly, yeah. the yeah. earlier yeah. we can start to <laughs> yeah. teach uh, yeah. support yeah. I mean, beliefs we still, and change. We still live in a world yeah. that is very externally focused. So that, you know, that's part of it is how do we make it real mm -hmm. in, the, in the world? Yeah. 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 Good. That's yeah. beautiful. I yeah. love that. Um, so what does this process look like when you're working with kids and parents, educators? Right. Maybe you could even give us a couple of examples. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so 
Um, usually I would start with my, um, my first goal is really to uncover what I refer to as their theory of the world. And what that means is, um, at a very, very early age, and I actually was just recently listening to something from, I think, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Lipton yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was um, going back as early as um, the third trimester pregnancy mm-hmm. and explaining how these subconscious beliefs get passed on and how they get taken in very, very early. And I am right now I'm a kindergarten teacher. So I see kids very young and it's very clear that they're Um, theory of the world, so their beliefs about themselves, and their beliefs about how reality works. Um, So I'll give an example of that. So if you had a child who um, was having a really hard time with losing a game, you know, sometimes some kids can lose a game and no big deal, they're okay that you know, and I've seen kids that it's it's the end of the world, like they they, they're devastated. so what are those beliefs that are going on below the surface that are leading them to perceive their experiences in a way that may not be working for them, so may not be creating positive experiences? Um, and I call those unhealthy beliefs, so beliefs that don't lead to positive experiences. So I have a simple process for that, and it's basically just looking at two things. So um, I take, we take a look at what I call situational triggers. And these are the specific situations that would trigger a child. So I talked about losing a game, uh, somebody copying them. You know, some kids get really upset. (laughs) You know, somebody stole their idea or um, there's certain you'll notice when you when you engage with kids and even with adults that there Mm -hmm. are themes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after many, many years of working with kids, I I have this big, long list (laughs) (laughs) of of the most common things that Mm -hmm. that tend to come up. Mm -hmm. And so we start by identifying those. And then we also look at what I call repetitive statements. So these are those short phrases that kids repeat over and over and over. So one of the most common ones is, it's not fair. (laughs) Yes, uh, they don't before. understand. <laughs> I don't care. Not, nobody, you know, yeah. the, it, I have a big long list of all of those. Um, and so when we can identify those and we, we take a look at those, it actually starts to present a theme. And it becomes pretty evident, actually, um, how they're perceiving their experiences. Mm-hmm. Just having that information on its own is so powerful because it all of a sudden we understand the child's behavior we understand it's like we're able to to look through the lens of the child right so the parent of the educator can right. now see the world from the child's right. perspective because oh. most of the time mm-hmm. when we're responding to kids we're responding through our lens mm-hmm. right but when we can understand it through the lens of the child, all of a sudden, things that seem completely unreasonable, that didn't make sense, you know, so many parents come and say, I don't understand, I don't, like, this behavior doesn't make any sense, um, it actually starts to make sense. And when we understand it, all of a sudden, naturally, we will we'll respond differently. Right. Instead of yeah. arguing from our perspective with their perspective, now right. you can actually exactly. look at it yeah. from the inside yeah. out. Yeah. And when you can actually give the child that understanding Mm 
mm-hmm. without necessarily playing into that theory of the into world, the story, yeah. but mm-hmm. give the child the understanding they're going to be more receptive mm-hmm. to hearing, Absolutely. To hearing us. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, and, and then another thing that tends to come up, which I, I, re- I want to mention, is often when we dig deep and we do get, go to the root of things, um, that can sometimes bring up things for parents. It can, it can bring up some discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, it's, it's not meant to, you know, bring, it's not meant to put any blame because, you know, these things get passed on. They're in the world. There's so many ways that they, they, they come in. Um, but it is, it, it is a process for the parent as well. To take a close look at, at some of these beliefs, their own beliefs. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because oftentimes what I find is when we do this for the child, um, whatever comes up ninety percent of the time is um, very similar to whatever's going on mm-hmm. with a parent mm-hmm. or you know whoever. Mm-hmm. And even as a teacher, um, what's being reflected to me, even though if it's not necessarily my child, I will often attract those experiences of triggering things that are within me absolutely i've experienced yeah. that too when i yeah. was a teacher and yeah. then as a parent yeah. as well yeah. children yeah. mirror for us yeah yeah what we've yeah. got disowned or what we're right. struggling with yeah. absolutely. and kids yeah. especially are so tuned in that they're tapped into the energy beneath our actions and they're mm-hmm. tapped into what we might not even be aware of mm-hmm. and so they mirror that back and most of the time when we're not aware of it we react and actually we get really triggered because it's that it's something that we probably don't even want to see. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So then let's stay with these examples. When you say a child has trouble losing, what beliefs have you found underneath? Right. So I like to take things down to, um, to the core, because I think sometimes we, we look at the surface, how it's presented on the surface. Um, you know, for example, recently we've actually become more aware of this idea of giving kids empowering beliefs. Um, but sometimes what I see happening is, you know, a child might say, oh, I'm not smart or I, I can't do anything right or all this. Mm-hmm. And we address it sort of at that level by saying, oh, you're so smart. And, yeah, and, just and reassuring to, it superficially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what we have to go, we have to go deeper. And mm-hmm. we have to realize that there's actually a core, there's actually, um, the core beliefs usually are related to, I'm not enough. Um, I am not worthy. Uh, I'm not safe. There's, there's, they're really simple, actually, when, mm-hmm. when you really bring it down to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can address it on that deep level, mm-hmm. then you don't have to, um, a, you know, you, you, sometimes you end up chasing all these beliefs. Yes. But if you can actually find that one core belief that's, that's sort of leading to mm-hmm. all those other things. Um, so we, we like to bring it down uh, deep. Now, it's a child losing a game may i i usually need more than just one piece of information Mm -hmm. to actually you know get the biggest picture but that could be this feeling like this sort of theory of the world where in order to be valued i must prove myself yes i must win i must must be the best or something and that's and they've Mm -hmm. learned in some way that that's their way to get validation Mm -hmm. because at the core everybody just wants to be Heard, seen, understood, and validated. Absolutely. And Everybody so, wants to be loved. Yeah. yeah. So so very early, they kids will develop their theory of how do I get those needs met, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
Um, so once I've gone through that process of uncovering the theory of the world, I usually recommend um, a what I call a validation phase. And this is a time when um, the parent would spend some time really just validating mm-hmm. um, that child's perspective. Again, not necessarily diving right in and agreeing with them. That's not always healthy. But often what happens is kids go a long time without feeling understood. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be more open and receptive to other ways of seeing things once they feel that their point of view has been first heard and understood. So for me, that, that, um, that is a really important stage to, um, for the parent or the teacher, whoever, whoever it is with the child to, um, to go through that validation stage. Yeah. So so parents would need to know how to acknowledge without necessarily buying into the story or into the narrative. Yeah. 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 So that's Mm -hmm. sort of a uh, careful, Mm -hmm. careful balance of not necessarily agreeing, but, but listening and validating how they feel and, and And, and and reflecting back. That makes sense that you feel this way. And I understand why that sort of thing without saying, Right. That's how reality is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if we, I, I feel if we jump right into fixed mode, um, you're missing no, an important step. Yeah. Like I see that with couples coaching yeah. too, right? If partners don't acknowledge each other's feelings first, right? Each other's reality, each other's experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, the partner will not be open to stepping right into exactly. fixed mode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, we do that phase and then um, from there because with kids um, I believe it has to be fun no matter what we do Um, you know it's going to be much more powerful if it's not something where we're you know sitting a kid down and forcing them to go through these exercises Mm -hmm. that could actually create more you know actually make the problem more more challenging so based on whatever the theory of the world is, what I would do is take things that they're already into and interested in and integrate that into sort of a fun plan mm-hmm. um, that's part of their everyday life. So your plans are quite individual then for yes, each child? Yes, very okay. much so. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes do like family plans. Sometimes when I have um, uh, families that want me to work more on the dynamics of the family but um, if I'm really focusing in on a child and, and sort of shifting working to shift uh, an unhealthy theory of the world then yes it's very very indiv- mm-hmm. individualized um, and so the idea there is I think often the structure you know when a, uh, a parent is having difficulty with a child very often it's like, okay, I'm going to bring this child to the tutor or to the therapist or to the, <laughs> to, and, to get fixed. and they're going to you yeah. know, spend an hour there to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's what's going to make them better. And uh, we actually need to deal with everything, the environment, with the habits, their routines, their everyday. Um, because if they go for an hour and then they go back to their life, there may be things within that that are, um, you know, holding those things in place. So the idea with the plan is to kind of shift some of the habits. Because uh, even when we shift beliefs, sometimes the habits 
of those beliefs are still left over. So we work on, you know, and I have lots of, you know, my experience as a teacher, I have lots of fun ways to, um, to get kids doing some healthy habits that will, um, that's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. So if a parent or or grandparent is listening now and is interested, um, how many sessions would they take with you? How would they look these sessions? Okay. I think you start off with a phone conversation. Yeah. Did I get yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. So I usually ask for at least a minimum of a three month commitment because if we are actually going to, um, you know, make some shifting beliefs doesn't happen instantly. Um, even with kids, even though kids shift yeah. beliefs faster they than do. adults. <laughs> they do. They yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so a minimum of three months of a commitment. And what that involves, so that would start with a, just a phone conversation um, where we would just sort of discuss some of the challenges. Um, and one thing I want to say, too, is sometimes um, often people come to me when things are really bad, when, you know, they're, they have a child that, you know, has really challenging behaviors. But when I was a child, I was really well behaved and I was quiet and I did what I was told. Yeah, so did um, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, so nobody ever, you know, thought that mm-hmm. that they should, you know, look at any of these mm-hmm. things or address any of these mm-hmm. things. And it when I became older, it became a big problem. And uh, it I was frozen, actually, for, for a mm-hmm, long time. And mm-hmm. I couldn't progress. And, and, and I, I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do. So one of the things I want to just every highlight, behavior, right? There's yeah. beliefs underneath, right? A shy, quiet, right? Child, so, same thing. Yeah. Cause. So so just because a child may be doing well in school, or, you know, these things um, don't necessarily mean that um, there aren't some unhealthy beliefs. In it. And I, I actually don't think there's a child or adult on the planet Earth that, <laughs> that doesn't have... That some, only has supportive right, beliefs right. and not yeah. Yeah. So beliefs I just wanted that are to, limiting in yeah. some way. Yeah, wanted mm-hmm. to mention that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have a conversation. We sort of discuss um, some of that. And then um, I would give you what I talked about before, which is just um, a form where you would identify some of those situational triggers and some of those um, repetitive statements. And I've created a system um, to quickly kind of get to the root of, of those. So then I would send you like a description of kind of what that what the child's theory of the world is, what might be going on on the surface. And, um, you know, we'd have a conversation about that. The next step would be for me to have a home visit, or if you're if you're not close by, I've also done it over over Zoom, mm-hmm. um, and that would give me a chance just to interact a little bit with the child, get my own sense of that. Usually, it's fun, it's relaxed, it's not you know stressful. It's right. I bring games, and mm-hmm. um, you know we, we might work on a few things, but the this it's just to to give me a, a better yeah, to idea to get to know the yeah. child. Yeah, in in her or his environment exactly yeah and then from there I would go and I would create the plan put together everything you know usually I would send an outline before I really put it together to make sure everything aligned and everything Um, you know the parent would obviously have some input into that and once the plan's ready then I would go for another home visit introduce the plan to the child to the parent and from that point forward, it depends on the level of support that a family is looking for. So it could just be uh, phone support from, from that point forward. 
Uh, it could be some, you know, co coming for periodic home visits just to reinforce a few things. But the my goal is as quickly as possible to get the parent it to a, a place of clarity mm -hmm. of knowing, you know, how they're, they're going to move forward. Um, so, uh, and, you know, sometimes by three months, the parent, it doesn't mean that, you know, they're necessarily finished, but by that point, the parent might have more clarity on, you know, on how to. Right. I can see how child. even just understanding the theory of a world would be a huge step yeah, forward. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. what I'm wondering as you're talking, so if someone is listening now and is saying, well, I'd love to do this for my child or my grandchild, but my spouse is not on board. Is that a problem? <laughs> Does everybody have to be yeah, uh, on board? A very common. Yes. Okay. So I certainly have worked with clients um, where there's divorce or even where their, you know, parents may not be 100% on the same page. Um, actually, I find this will often help bring them closer to the same page because when you can really go deep and, Interesting. and um, mm -hmm. bring mm -hmm. that clarity. And then instead um, of talking about the problems, you can actually talk about the theory right, of the world. Right. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's, you know, I'm someone mm -hmm. to come to to help um, if you are having trouble, uh, you know, agreeing on which approach to use, bringing somebody in to sort of help make those decisions for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I do have done it where there's two separate households and I just basically duplicate the plan and, you know, mm -hmm. I'm willing to work with both sides. Um, and I would, you know... I would be lying if I said that there aren't challenges with that. Yes. Um, and I definitely have worked through some of those challenges. Sometimes it is, it ends up being one parent that is the one that is really doing it and the other one maybe not so much. And what I would say, even though it's more ideal, the more people that you have that are um, participating the child is still much better off to at least have one parent Absolutely. that is on yeah. board with it. Um, so sometimes uh, it's just a matter of working with with uh, the parent that is that is mm -hmm. willing to. Yeah. And do you include the educators, the teachers in school yeah. as well? Yeah. So mm -hmm. as part of my plan, I always offer um, a communication to the teacher. Um, now, I will say that um, technically speaking, the teacher is not obligated to follow the, the guidance that I'm offering. But because I am a teacher and I know how the system works, <laughs> I know what's, you know, what, what a teacher is allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, what, you know, what kinds of things goes on, go, goes on. I basically formulate that to make things easier on the teacher and within those, um, constraints that I know that they they have so uh, and I'm willing to with permission of course from the parent I'm willing also to to have meetings with the teacher and, and sort of yeah mm -hmm. yeah great yeah. yeah that sounds fascinating and I'm so thrilled that you know there's somebody who's making changes from the inside within the system <laughs> and early on as, as we learn all those beliefs in early childhood um so how can people get in touch with you? So the best thing to do would be to go to my website, which is uh, www.allofmecounts.com. 
And on there, there's a few options. Um, I have a free online community. Uh, so if you go on my website, you'll see that right there on the on the first page. And the, there you can ask questions. You can uh, I usually post there fairly regularly. And uh, sometimes I provide resources. So if you, you know, if you just want to get an idea or of what this is, uh, that would be a great place to go. So you can join there for free. I also have um, just a mini online course that I offer for free. And it's called A Child's Theory of the World, The Key to Bringing Out the Best from Within. And this explains a little more in depth what, I, what I've been speaking about when it comes to um, a child's theory of the world, how it affects their experiences, how, um, how they develop that theory of the world. Uh, that's free as well, and you'll find that also on my website. And you can also book a free 30-minute consultation um, just to, to find out more about me and find out um, if, um, if I'm a good fit and uh, how I might be able to support. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. How did you come up with this fabulous name, All of Me Counts? You know, I was at a workshop it, I wish I could take credit for it but it was somebody else <laughs> still a fabulous name though <laughs> yeah. um and I was just talking about this idea and yeah somebody that was sort of in this group that I was brainstorming with mm-hmm. um said oh I have a great name for you oh perfect all of yeah. my counts and so um yeah I took it from her but no it wasn't me <laughs> but it sounds like it perfectly uh encompasses what you're all about oh, and, thank you yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. good yeah. well um the all of me counts website and the other resources you just mentioned they will be in the uh, notes for this episode as well and um yeah is there still something else you want our listeners to know <laughs> oh i could go on i could talk yes. all day but i think i've you know i've probably yeah. given you enough for now <laughs> to, to mull through yeah but thank you so much i really enjoyed this being, was a this conversation. lot of fun thank yeah. you for being here and uh, chatting with me and i'm sure we will do another one maybe the other way around <laughs> yes we will actually we okay will. good yeah. <laughs> all right bye bye for today okay bye <laughs>